Everybody, I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. Happy Easter, Scott. Yes, and to you too. Uh, it's a very nice day here in uh, the nation's capital, as you would say. It's a beautiful day. I went running first time. I, I take a break during the winter. I don't run. Yeah. I uh, went out today by the Rideau Canal. A beautiful oh. afternoon. There's lots of folks out. Yeah. It was almost not fun because of that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, a really a beautiful day here in the nation's capital. As we turn our attention now to the tail end of the curling calendar, only two events left, one of which really doesn't matter that much other than money. And the other one, we're not quite sure if it matters yet for anything so we'll talk about the one that really doesn't matter other than money the Humpty's Champions Cup is about to kick off this week in Saskatoon Saskatchewan the home of the 2021 Tim Hortons Roar of the Rings so you know a bit of a preview of the venue yeah Sean and it'll be a really nice place I I quite like Saskatoon myself I've been twice and (laughs) Yeah, the, the Toontown is a place to be, right? Yeah, I really like Saskatoon. I lived in Regina for a couple of years and had the chance to go to Saskatoon a bunch. And I like it up there. It's it's a really nice town, sort of the Ring Road. One of my, one of if not my favorite museum in the country, the Western Development Museum out at the fairgrounds mm. there is there. The Diefenbaker Museum at the University of Saskatchewan is pretty cool. Uh, just a nice little town and really wonderful people. So I expect a terrific event out there in Saskatoon this week and scott we we have a lot of news coming out of this event for a few different reasons and and let's start with the one that i think has generated the most attention on twitter and that is the addition of the no tick rule for the champions cup and we saw this a little bit with the elite 10 Mm -hmm. where they had a no tick rule but they've added it to this one as well yeah sean we had talked about that in one of our podcast last summer about how to make uh like rule changes that we would want to see in the game and i believe i proposed the the no tick rule as long as the the stone was touching the center line it could not be ticked right and they we saw it in the elite 10 like you said i i sort of like it it makes a drawing behind the first uh the first option basically the only option when the center guards up and the only thing I don't like it about this event is that it's only for the eighth end and extra ends. Right. So, so why would you like, like playing with a different set of rules at di- different times in the game? You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is similar to me to baseball saying, Hey, let's start extra innings with somebody on second base, yeah. which, which I really don't like. Yeah. Or any professional league anywhere in the world going to a shootout to decide a game. It's, it really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It seems crazy, right? Yeah. So if you're going to do it, I mean, do it for the whole event and see how that goes. Like you say, this event doesn't matter much, uh, except for money. Yep. And I mean, we'll see how much it matters when we talk about the teams and see how many spares there are. Yeah. But that's sort of my feeling on it. I mean, you, you can't be half pregnant. You can't do a half rule. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think John Collin made this point that 
15 years ago, Leeds were just thought to be the worst players out there, and now yeah. they've gotten too good, and we have to change the rules for them. Right. So thanks, Lisa Weagle. This is really all on you. But it, it is interesting to to have the no-tick rule. Again, and this is all about offense and generating offense in the game. People want more points. People want rocks in play. Ticks eliminate rocks in play, really. And it also brings up some interesting questions if a stone on a come-around ticks the rock by accident and moves it off. So the non-offending team has the option to put it back or leave the stones as they lie. That could lead to some interesting decisions going forward. I don't remember this really being an issue at the Elite 10, but of course at the Elite 10, it's not a points game. It's sort of that match play. So you can give up a six and it doesn't really matter. In this one, it's going to be a little different because you're not in that match play setting and, and giving up a big end could end the game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So a little bit different with the rules, but you know, I mean, it's going to be for the eighth end, yeah, and, and extra ends only. So I don't think it'll matter for for big ends, but that's why you can't really be you can't really go half in on a rule like this. Yeah, and really, the, the grand slams are one of the things they're there to do is try new things. Right, the five rock rule was in the grand slams first, and exactly. it worked. They, they've tried different things at the grand slams, including timing per end. Some of them have worked, some of them haven't. And this is, frankly, other than getting players more exposure and more money, this is probably the best thing that the grand slams have to offer: is a place to test new things, essentially like the minor leagues in baseball. Mm-hmm. Try new, try new things, see what hits, sticks, and and what doesn't. Yeah, they're they're breeding grounds for new things and filling programming time for Sportsnet. Absolutely. And uh, let's get in then to the teams that will be filling that time. As you mentioned, Scott, a lot of substitutions here. So how about we start on the men's side? And we're going to rapid fire these, sort of our our immediate take on each team. A little bit of word association. Let's try that kind of thing. So the first team is Team Botcher, and they qualified for winning the Meridian Canadian Open earlier in the season. So what are your thoughts on Team Botcher? I think they are on fire. They won the Players' Championship. They were the finalists at the Briar. I fully expect them to do well this week. It's a team that wouldn't I, I wouldn't think would not care anymore and would come out and really try. Yeah, Sean, uh, it's funny you said on fire because that's the exact thing that I was going to say. They're on fire. I'd expect them to make a deep run, and I would be very surprised if they didn't. 100%. All right, so let's move on then to Team Carruthers, or Mick Carruthers. Appears as though Mike McEwen will be throwing the four stones. They qualified with the Stu Cells Toronto tankard, and up and down year for these guys. Yeah, so that was way back in September, Sean, and boy, what a season it's been for Team McCruthers, winning that event. Uh, doing pretty poorly in the the Grand Slam season early on. Then they go to China. I won an event in China. Uh, up and down, and I think that's what the that's the word that I would use to describe this team. Up and down, like roller coaster. Yeah, I would put up and down, but maybe down in caps. It feels like <laughs> yeah. there's been more downs than there has ups this season for them, sure. uh, especially the Briar. I think it was a, a pretty disappointing week for them. And and honestly, I I put. They're like a roulette wheel for me at this point. I just have no idea. Yeah, you're right. You can see them winning the whole thing, and you can see them going over and you know not yeah. cashing a check. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The next team up, Sean, team Matt Dunstone, um, sort of hometown turf from Regina. They qualified for winning the DeKalb Superspiel, the WCT event, back in the fall. Yeah, and I would put these guys in the category of again that they. they 
could very easily make the playoffs. We talked about them with the Players' Championship. They're sort of that next tier and, and ready to bubble over. And I I think for next year, it'll be a really big year for them. Mm-hmm. And for this one, I could see them using this as you know points. I, I don't know if this helps get into events for next year. But this, I think, is something that they could really benefit from winning. So I think they'll have that intensity that we've seen from them. And where some other teams might take this as a more fun event, I expect these guys to go full bore at this. Yeah, I think of them as a sleeper team, Sean, because of that. Because maybe other teams are a little more tired. They did play in the event a couple weeks ago, went over. So I'm going to say sleeper. So they're rested. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, next up is Nicholas Adin and his squad. They qualified for winning the Swiss Cup. Over in Basel, they are playing without Oscar Eriksson, though, who is over at the Mixed Doubles Championship. He's playing with Anna Hasselberg. So they brought in Jimmy Cotter, uh, sort of a favorite of the pod. Love, I love Jim Cotter sure. uh, so much. So th- this will be fun, uh, a new third in there. But I think it leads to a bit of an unknown there, Scott. Yeah, Sean, I could see, you know, I could see the language being a bit of a problem for them. I, well, yes, yes, because Nicholas Adin doesn't speak English at all. No, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, they're used to calling their calls one way, and they're going a different way. It is. It, it will be a little different with Jimmy, but uh, but I, I really I, Jim is such a professional, and he's not a big personality either. I think he could step in and be pretty comfortable with these guys. Is he a better player than Oscar Erickson? I'm not so sure, but I think he could step in and, and have no problem. Yeah, that's right, Sean, and... Uh... The next team up will be Team Epping. They qualified for winning that uh, Canadian Beef Masters yeah. went, oh, back in the fall. I actually bought some Canadian beef today. Hey, right on. Yeah, Good for you, supporting the local sponsor. Exactly. So uh, my word for Team Epping, Sean, is uh, disappointing. I think they had a disappointing season. I think they'll tell you that the season was disappointing. It'll be their last event together as a full team before uh, Craig Saville... Uh, goes back to spend more time with his family, I suppose. Yes, he got future endeavored, as we yeah. talked about a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> so, you know, I I got to be honest, I'm not expecting much from them. No, me neither. Yeah, watch them win. So next up is uh, Team Gushu, and they qualified by winning the 2018 Champions Cup. Uh, there, uh, Brad Gushu did. And like with Nicholas Adin, they are missing a player as Brett Gallant is over in Norway playing in the mixed doubles. So they've brought on Colton Lott from Manitoba, the who was or is going to China in, in a few weeks for the mixed doubles there. And good young player. You're, you're subbing a, a young good sweeper for another young good sweeper. And Brad Gushu, Mark Nichols, and Jeff Walker for that matter, Really experienced. I can't imagine this is going to cause any problems. No, Sean, it'll be good. And I, I would look to see uh, what Colton Lott's attitude is and how he fits into the team. Uh, but I'm excited to watch, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, and a really good opportunity for him. I oh, think. yeah, big time. Yeah. I expect them to do well. Oh, oh, it's my turn now, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, next up, <laughs> Team Brad Jacobs. They qualified for winning the Tour Challenge back in November. The uh, the tier one event, so uh, this will be their last hurrah together as a team as well. I uh, they went four and zero in the round robin last week or five and zero, maybe four and one, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about this, Sean. What do you think? This uh, that's my word is I don't know. 
I think if we can get out of this week with no broken brooms, we'll be good. Right on. Maybe their intensity is ratcheted down, but yeah, maybe they maybe they can truly use this as a last fun thing and just go out there. These are the last games they're going to play together. Enjoy yeah. it. They're still the 2014 Olympic gold medalist that'll never get taken away from them. This is their last hurrah. Hopefully, they can have some fun with it. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Who's next? Uh, Kevin Cooey, they qualified through the Players' Championship. They got that spot, it would appear, because Brandon Botcher had already qualified. Of course, they won the Briar as well, so I'm not quite sure on this because Chelsea Carey's in the women's side because of the Scotties, so who knows. Uh, but Kevin Cooey is there. Whole team is there. They... I don't know if they're favorites at this point just because they've played so many games and have been going for so long, but a team that whenever they don't make the playoffs, which is definitely few and far between, you're surprised. Yeah, Sean, my word for them is tired. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, I'm tired just thinking about how much they played. So, I, you know, any outcome at this event, I could see anything, you know. Uh, yeah. But they're a great team, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, next on the board, the... Team Matsumura qualified for winning the Pacific Asia Curling Championships. So uh, we'll see how they do. This is the team that we saw at the World Championships from the look of it. Uh, what do you think? I think they're still a bit of an unknown. Still a young team. You know, obviously, the, the Pacific Asia Championship was a big thing for them. Big step forward for the Japanese curling and it's still just a work in progress. And for me, the, the word for them would be reps, right? Just getting more reps on arena ice, continue to play this competition. And, and that's, to me, where the benefit for them is going to come in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Who's next? So next up, we have Bruce Mowat and his squad out of Edinburgh. They are here as the European champions, full squad. And this is a team, Scott, I think, for me, this was a a real a banner year for them is solidifying themselves as the top team in Scotland. Yeah, Sean, they're for sure the top team in Scotland, one of the top teams in the world. Uh, my word for them is hungry. I think they're hungry after the, their uh, near miss there at the World Championships. They got off to a bad start, weren't able to make it past Canada in that quarterfinal. So uh, I think this team's going to be hungry. All right. I like that. Yeah. I like it too. Hopefully oh. they can go to Humpty's afterwards <laughs> yeah. and get some free meals then. Yeah, they should join the, the points program. Yeah, I get the curling fries. I hear it's good. Yeah. Uh, next up, Sean, uh, Team Kirk Myers qualified for winning that Tour Challenge Tier 2 event way back in November. I think that uh, Kirk Myers, when, when I think of this, I'm going to say hometown hero. Okay. They're, they're the team from Saskatoon. They're playing on home ice. I give them a good shot. Okay. I like that idea and sort of the whole sort of the, the the motivation for saying that I like. I like this team. I think they're fun. They seem like really good guys and you know they try hard and take it seriously but not too seriously. Yeah. They just seem like good guys and whenever there's an event and they're there, I think the event is better for it. Yeah, I'd agree. So, I'd agree. Uh, so let's move on then to Ross Patterson and his squad from Glasgow. They qualified by winning the national back in November, I believe it was, beating Bruce Mowat in that game in the All-Scottish Final, if memory serves. That's right. And he is here, and for them, Scott, I, I think it's still, I would say, establishing. Right, They're still trying to establish themselves mm -hmm. as regulars on the tour and a regular threat on the tour. Yeah, that's a, a great word, Sean. They had a good event a couple weeks ago. They made the 
playoffs there in uh, Toronto. So, you know, building. That's a good word. I like it. Next, I uh, said establishing, but th- thanks for listening. Well, building sounds better. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh <laughs> You you don't get you don't get hired to establish a building. You get, get hired to build a building. No, but you establish your presence, establish your brand. Okay, <laughs> next team, uh, team Yannick Schwaller from Switzerland. They qualified for winning the Stucells Oakville Tankard, and I believe that was back in August. If not, maybe the first week of yeah, September. early September. I think yeah, around Labor Day. So uh, this team. You know, I'm gonna give this team the uh, the wild card moniker. Okay. Because who knows what the heck they're gonna do? They've been to some big events before and not really performed. They've obviously won some events, such as the Stustels Oakville Tankard. So uh, we need to get a bit more of a read on them. So I'm gonna call them wild cards. Okay. I don't think they're quite a threat yet. I, I would put them sort of below the surface. Okay. In terms of threats. So. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what that happens with them, and we'll move on to Team Schuster qualifying through the U.S. National Championship. Of course, John Schuster though is out of the country, as you pointed out last week on our show, Scott, playing with Corey Christensen with of Corey. Team Christensen. Uh, so he's at the mixed doubles. There, Johnny Mo stepping in, and he's going to take his spot and skip the team. And the one thing that we know about John Morris is that he can sort of just step in and play with whoever. It doesn't really seem to matter. He'll, yeah. he'll talk the same way he does all the time. So it's not really an issue for John Morris. Uh, too bad this isn't some other event in which they would be more identified as Team USA because that would just be another color for John Morris to put up on as well. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. And this team did qualify for winning the U.S. championship. I'm going to call this team... Uh... I want to do something where they're drinking beers after the game because this team is going to enjoy some beers. John Schuster, or a, a John Morris rather, and and Matt Hamilton are good buddies. We saw them crushing a beer at the Olympics together. So uh, I could see this team uh, having a fun week and crushing some uh, some pilsners. Yeah, old I, style I, yeah, pilsner. some old style pilly out there in the the Humpty. What is it called? The Pinty's Pub. Yeah, out there. Yeah, I, I think. If if Team Schuster, if these guys are not the TV game, at least once on Friday and at least once on Thursday, then Sportsnet is doing something horribly wrong because John Morris and Matt Hamilton on the same team is really must-see TV. Got to give the fans what they want, Sean. Yeah, absolutely do. So hopefully uh, they can get some TV time and do well and get into the weekend and get even more TV time. Big time. I, I would be down for that. Yeah. Last uh, team on the men's side, Team Tardy. And this team, it's going to be their last game together. Uh, Tyler Tardy announced, of course, he's going to step into the men's side next year, foregoing his last year of juniors. So last hurrah for this team. I think it'll be experience that they'll gain. So that's my word, experience. I think so, too. And Matt Hall announced his new team uh, coming back to Ontario to play next year. That's right. And I'm looking at the photo here of Alex Horvath. And uh, I would just encourage everybody to go look at it. That's all I'll say about that photo. So, yeah. So, but I agree with you. Just getting the experience for them. You know, we, we saw Tyler Tardy at the BC Provincials. Got off to a hot start. Yeah. But then sort of just ran out of gas because he's playing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just coming back from the uh, World Junior Championship. And, of course, they qualified for this event by winning that World Junior Championship. Yes. Yeah, so, those are the 15 men's teams who will be participating in Saskatoon. So, let's move on, Scott. To the women's side, and we'll start with Chelsea Carey, 
Why don't we give our picks for the men's side Oh, while we're first. talking about the men's side. While okay. we're talking okay, about Okay, yeah, it. good idea. So uh, so I have the lead here on the season, 67 to 62 or something? Uh, it's 75-69. 75-69, even better for me. Six points so, ahead. So uh, because I have the lead, I've written down my picks, and I wrote them down before we started so that nobody could accuse me of playing strategically with only two events left in the season okay. so that I could win. So... I uh, as my as always, you pick four playoff teams. If you get them right, if they're in the playoffs, you get a point. You also pick the winner for a bonus point for a total of five possible points. So I am going to select Brandon Botcher, Brad Gushu, Kevin Cooey, and my winner will be Bruce Mowat. Wow, that's uh, something else, Sean. Or Mowat. 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 I. I, I want them both. I'll take both. You'll take both. <laughs> I'll take both of them. Deal. All right, Sean. Uh, because I'm trying to play catch up on you. Yes. I'm going to go maybe a little off the board here. Sure. I like it. Uh, I am going to take Team Matsumura. Oh, okay. All right. To make the playoffs. I'm going to take Team Jacobs to make the playoffs. I'm also going to take Team... You know, we talked about Team Epping. Yeah. Can I pull the trigger? Yeah, I'm going to pull the trigger on them to make the playoffs wow, as what well. what a swerve. Yeah, I know. I mean, if anybody rewinds and listens to what you said about John Hepping's team, I think they'll be surprised that you are now selecting them. Well, they shouldn't be that surprised. I I mean, I've been on the Epping bandwagon all season. I'm just sad just that Just not ending. for the last 20 minutes. You're right. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Give me Team Schuster. Okay, Johnny to Mo. Win. Johnny Mo coming. We're in. gonna find out that Skinny John Schuster is actually <laughs> the reason that their team is not winning, and we're gonna see the greatness of John Morris okay. confirmed. So John Morris is gonna move to Duluth, <laughs> get American citizenship, and have the greatest American curling story of all time. Exactly, Sean. Yeah. There you go. He'll take Jared Allen and those former NFL players to an Olympic gold. Hey, that would be... Oh, I think he should do that. Yeah. He's well, not He's not doing anything else, right? No. Let's get Vince McMahon on that. That's probably the only way I think that, that could happen. <laughs> Great. Um, so, uh, so there are our picks on the men's side. Let's uh, move on to the women's side. Let's start. We'll go alphabetically again. Start with Chelsea Carey. As mentioned, they qualified through the Scotties. They had a not-so-great week at the World Championships, missing the playoffs. And now they're back. They're back, Sean. I, I would call this team Team Yo-Yo. Yeah. It seems they're up and they're down and they're up and they're down. And when they're up, they're great. And when they're down, they are hard to watch. Yeah. Can, so Can I just suggest something, though, that, that I was thinking about? That with Chelsea Carey... This is, I don't want to say it's like Kevin Cooey, but it's kind of like Kevin Cooey, where Briar Kevin Cooey is different from every other event Kevin hmm, Cooey. Interesting. Right? And we've seen it with Chelsea Carey that Scotty's Chelsea Carey is different from every other event Chelsea Carey. Chelsea Carey is dominant when she is at the Scotties. Yeah. And when she's not at the Scotties, it's sort of a mixed bag. So is it possible that she has tail because we talk about how intense she is how laser focused she is is it possible that she has catered her schedule catered her whole life even to be able to peak there at late january early whenever the scotties is in february yeah and and then 
everything else is just a build to that and everything after that is sort of this letdown because she's so laser focused on being the national champion interesting that's maybe something we could ask her about uh, if we ever get to talk to her because you're right it, it she's so good at the scotties so yeah like it could be a good explanation yeah. for yeah. and for maybe why. something we could do a deep dive in the summer look at her record over the years yeah and, and see if there's actually some statistical back up to that and it's not just sort of seeming like but she's dominant the scotties i mean we have the record yeah so uh so there you go so as you say yo-yo with this squad who knows what to expect exactly who knows uh next team up team anerson they qualified for winning the curlers corner autumn gold curling classic say that five times fast no thanks okay uh (laughs) so uh this team of course we know they came out like a like a barn on fire? Do you say that? No. Is that a saying? No, you don't. What do you say? You really don't. Is there some kind of saying like that? Maybe. Okay, that's good podcasting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a barn on fire? Where's the barn going? Yeah, good question. Uh, so anyway, uh, they but they also played well last week. Did They, they won, right? The, At the uh, Players' Championship? Players Championship? Yes, they did win the Players' Championship as Anna Hasselberg... Uh, couldn't quite close it out in the eighth end, despite the fact that I really thought she had won the game. Yeah, yeah, but uh, turns out she rolled too far, and uh, her other stone wasn't counting. So this is a team that is very capable of winning on any given week, and uh, you might just see them in my picks. Okay, well there you go. This is a team I've I've really come around on since the off season, Sean. You know, we talked about oh, can they do it? Can they do it? And then they did it. And then they failed to do it at the at the Scotties in that wild card game. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I they're all great players, and uh, I'm in on them. Okay, I like it. So let's move on then to Ali Flaxy's team, who will be short a Flaxy. Uh, Laura Walker is in the lineup this week as Ali Flaxy is out. So it'll be Laura Walker with Kate Cameron, Taylor McDonald, and Renora Westcott. So this is a team that I'm just not entirely sure what to expect, but also uh, a bit of a preview for what we could see next year. Yeah, so Team Flaxy got in for winning the DeKalb Super Spiel. And you're right, Sean, Laura Walker has already announced she's going to play with Kate Cameron and Taylor McDonald next year. So it's going to be, yeah, that sort of feeling out period. So I'm going to call it reps. They're getting yeah. reps together. Yeah. And as the, after the games, when they're talking about how they can improve and get ready, Renora Westcott can, I don't know, get, get a seat at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. She can order the, order the pitcher and uh, bring it over to the table. So there you go. Yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, next up, Sean. So like we saw with team Schuster having no Schuster team Flaxy having no Flaxy, we've got team Hasselberg having no Hasselberg. Yeah. As uh, Anna Hasselberg's playing in the World Mixed Doubles. Uh, so we've got Eve Muirhead parachuting in from Scotland to to skip this team. What do you think will happen? I, I'm not optimistic about it. Okay. Eve's a, really great, Eve's a great player. Obviously, the other three are great players. I don't think it works quite as well as, or, or will work as well with John Morris. Because John Morris is just so flexible and just so... Uh, chill and that's not to say that eve isn't but i would suggest that eve muirhead is a more intense player and a player who relies a little bit more on a routine than john morris does okay do you think they'll have any trouble interpreting barrier weight (laughs) 
maybe. Yes, because maybe. The, they'll say, what's that? Yeah. Maybe they'll go to time. You think they go to times on this? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Might, you know, might give, me a, give me a nine second. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I think this team's going to be fine, Sean. I'd be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. Sarah McManus, best third in the world. Yeah. Sorry, Emma Miskew. But uh, right now, that's what, what it's going at. Yeah. So. No, no question. Absolutely. Speaking of Emma Miskew... Yeah, Rachel Holman and her team will be there, minus Joanne Courtney, Jolene Campbell, who we've seen from Saskatchewan. She will be subbing in for the week. A little surprising to me a little bit that uh, Kreviasik isn't getting that spot, but schedules and who knows why. Uh, but Jolene Campbell will be there. She's a local player, so... Yeah, I mean that makes sense to cut down your costs a little bit on flying somebody out. Uh, but yeah, so so Joe and Courtney is out. Rachel Holman will be playing. Uh, Miskew and Lisa Weagle they qualified through the Champions Cup last season, and this is a team Scott that they've won the Pinty's Cup. Uh, they they really. It's weird to say that they don't need forty thousand um, dollars. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would take it. Of course, they would take it. Yeah. Uh, but this is a team that I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if their main goal this week was to be home by Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Sean. Wow. Uh, yeah, maybe that's fair. Maybe that's fair. Uh, like you say, getting Jolene Campbell, a local player there. We last saw her, of course, playing with John Morris at the Canadian Mixed yes. Doubles, yes. making the playoffs there. And my theory is that they just subbed one Joe for another Joe. Right. It uh, makes the sweeping call easier. You know, uh, you don't have to change much uh, when it comes to that. But uh, I think they can still make the playoffs with their with, with their eyes closed. So yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll I mean, see. they didn't last time. They didn't. They didn't the players' championship. Well, no, but they had a midweek substitution. They weren't really accounting for. So okay, this one I think uh, we'll see when we get to our picks. Yes, uh, we we definitely will. And uh, speaking of our picks, I think I can sense where you're coming from. Because we got Team Jennifer Jones coming next. Yes, it's in my contract. I have to pick them whenever they're in an event. Yeah, and they're going to be uh, here because they won the Canada Cup back in December. And they've got a second substitution as well. Yes, uh, Jocelyn Peterman out of the country playing with Brett Galland at the mixed double. So they brought in Lori Olson-Johns, uh, sort of an old hat player who knows the ropes knows everything there is to know no surprises between jennifer jones and laurie Austin johns i don't think they've ever played together if memory serves but they've certainly played against each other enough that's that they know each other they've been around long enough so no surprises there the only thing would be that when you're looking at the the lineup jocelyn peterman with all due respect to laurie Olson johns is going to be a better sweeper than laurie Olson johns so maybe that affects the overall team. Who knows? But, I mean, Laurie Olsen-John's a great player. Yeah, we've seen in a, in the past that Jennifer Jones has been able to, you know, make do when subbing players in, such as Shannon Burchard yeah. last year. I, I think this team will be fine. Yeah, but again, another one. I, why isn't Jill Officer playing? I, I don't know. Again, schedules and people not... Like, Jill Officer said she wasn't going to play, and she didn't play a lot. <laughs> But she was on tour oh, she a sure, lot. She, <laughs> she sure played a lot. She played more than I would have expected. So, uh, But yeah, so Lori Olsen-John gets that call. Let's move on to Minji Kim, the Korean junior team. They won the Pacific Asia Curling Championship. This is a team, Scott, I, honestly, this is, it's way too early. My way too early hot take. This team might be the favorite in 2022 in, in Beijing. Yeah, Sean, this team is really unpredictable is what I'll call it. They... 
come to these big events and they seem to turn that intensity up, turn their gameplay up. They try a lot of hard shots. They make a lot of hard shots. Some events they've played in, they've tried them and they've missed them, and it's been pretty bad results. But when they are on, they're on, and they're one of the best. I like this team a lot. Yeah, fun to watch. On the rise. Yeah. Next up, uh, Team Kovaleva, Alina Kovaleva. They won the Prestige Hotels and Resorts Curling Classic. I believe that was in Penticton uh, in the fall. And they've got a five-person team on their uh, on the, on the webpage yes. here, Sean. So they're bringing their alternate. Maybe not to play, but, you know, a little moral support in the stands. <laughs> uh, so the word I would use for this team is, you know, a little overkill. I don't know if we need five <laughs> players at the Champions Cup here. Uh, but good for them for, with uh, with Alina Kovaleva. I, I don't know. I, the, Russian curling, I have no idea what to make of it at this point. I really, really don't. Uh, I mean, you want it to do well because the more good teams, the better it is. But I, I truly can't understand what's going on in Russia with their curling federation and, and who's representing the country, where their priorities are in terms of developing new players. I'm just very confused by the whole thing. And this is a team that, you know, four years ago, Russian curling, I think was in a better spot than it is today. And yeah. so, so I don't know. I think, I think they're, they're sort of pushing, fighting against the tide almost of Russian curling to try and stay competitive. Yeah. They're one of these teams I always pick to do well in these European events and, they let me down, so right. I, I'm jilted. I'm a, jil- I'm a jilted lover. <laughs> yes. Uh, but speaking of Russian curling, yeah, we'll move on to team team Rumyanseva. I would say Rumyanseva, something like that. Orcheva. The uh, World Junior Curling Champions. They beat Selena Sturme in the final after Selena Sturme's last rock in the extra, I believe, went what six inches deep, maybe six might even be more than it was. Uh, if memory serves, uh, she, she was a little heavy on her last draw there. And they are the World Junior Curling Champions. And this is a team, Scott, I don't think, with the exception of the extra end of that World Junior Championship, I don't think I've ever seen this team play. Uh, well, I, that's probably good that you haven't. <laughs> I mean, if you're watching a lot of junior curling, I might have to <laughs> hold an intervention for you there or something. But... No, this team, if they get one win, they should be uh, ecstatic and over the moon. So I'm going to call this team the Team Goose Egg. Okay. I ne- like it. <laughs> Next up, a uh, team that I'll call Team Fun. <laughs> team Casey Scheidegger. Uh, they're all there getting ready, and they're one of the most fun teams out there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, a team, though, that is a bit inconsistent. We've seen through the season that they can play well, but that they'll struggle in spots as, as well. So I, I would put them as sort of team 500. All right. All right. Who's up next, Sean? Uh, Robin Silvernagel. Uh, oh. Her whole team out of North Battlefield. They qualified through the Red Deer Curling Classic. Going to get some hometown-ish love here in Saskatoon. And I would say this is team Meteor. The, the Meteor it's, is... Yeah, it's just sort of... It's, it's flashing through the sky. Okay. Do you expect it to burn out? Maybe. Oh. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. It, with this configuration, I don't know if it makes it to 2022. We'll see. But this, this I, you know, if we were awarding, you know, team of the year, I don't think we could give it to them. But as the most improved or most surprising team, I definitely think it's Robin Silvanegger. Yeah, Sean, absolutely. They're... Uh... They're, they're Saskatchewan's new stars. Yeah, they really of, are. Of course, uh, there was an article about that uh, this week. Yeah. The, so, 
in the land of the living skies, we have a new star. <laughs> wow. And uh, they played pretty well uh, in Toronto. So uh, I'm, uh, I've got big hopes for this team. All right. Next on the docket, we're going to go south of the border to Team Jimmy Sinclair. playing. Uh, they qualified for winning the Players' Championship in Toronto last year. So uh, they yeah, got that's their, strange. They got their spot for last year's Players' Championship. It's a little strange. Yeah. But, well, what can you do? I uh, want to make note that Monica Walker has announced she's not going to continue with this team. So right. we'll see Vicky Persinger step in and play second for this championship with Taylor Anderson sliding down to lead. Right. They also won the U.S. Nationals, which would get them a spot in this based on John Schuster being in this as well. So this whole qualifying thing is very strange to me. Um this is, uh, this is Jamie Sinclair. I don't know. I, I think Jamie Sinclair, the word that maybe we would use has been a little disappointing this year. Uh, I think after last year, she had a lot of momentum. And I think if you were to ask her that her year hasn't been, hasn't gotten the results that maybe she would have expected. Yeah, exactly. And, and she was injured at the World Championship in that last game, of course. Uh, I've been seeing on Twitter, she's been doing a lot of rehab, trying to re-strengthen uh her body so hopefully she's all good to go here yeah so yeah hopefully for them and that they can have a good week as they have to retool the team so next up is team stern alina stern they qualified by winning the tour challenge tier two event we've seen them on tour a lot this season at a bunch of these grand slams particularly after they won that tier two event and this is the team scott that i would put down as a uh, underdog. Yeah, team underdog. That's a really good word for them, Sean. Uh, they'll be playing in the same pool with uh, some pretty heavy hitters. Uh, I could see them giving uh, Laura Walker a game, but I, I can't see them winning any games uh, at this event. But hopefully they'll have a good time. There Enjoy go. the prairie hospitality. Nice, nice. So next up is... Sylvana Tiranzoni and her squad, the world champions, they qualified to this by winning the Schweizer Cup, which really, if you're comparing things, I mean, it's just like just a notch below the world championship, that Schweizer Cup. So, <laughs> that's right, Sean. Uh, no mention that she's the reigning world champion. No, but that's okay. You don't need to try and sell tickets or anything. No, of course so, not. So, yeah. So, Alina Pats, of course, throws last with this squad. Uh, Esther, as we mentioned her, the, that world championship final seems to do all the sweeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a team, though, that on tour has had some disappointing results through the season, and you don't quite know what you're going to get out of this team either. You're telling me, Sean, I picked them to make the playoffs last week. It was maybe my biggest lock of all the picks I've ever made, and they couldn't come through for me. They could not. And I believe I had them in an event earlier this season, and they went over yeah. in another Grand Slam. So, yeah, sort of a, a Jekyll and Hyde-type squad there, at least on tour this season. Yeah, but obviously one of the top teams in the world, so no question. shouldn't see any problems from them. The last team, Sean, to come to Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, is Isabella Rana from is. Sweden. Yes. And I, I really like this team. This is team of the future, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. This is the team that, you know, you know, Anna Hasselberg at this point doesn't have anything really to be worried about for with Isabella Rana and probably not to Beijing either. But the next cycle is where it gets interesting. If Anna Hasselberg wants to keep playing and Isabella Rana is still around and improving at the pace that she is right now, maybe. 
you know, maybe there it, it becomes a two-team situation in Sweden, and we actually have some legit competition for who's coming out of Sweden uh, for the first time in a really long time. On a related note, Annette Nordberg played Sherry Anderson this weekend in a seniors game, and it just made my heart happy to see the <laughs> two of them playing each other. But here's a situation, and we've talked about it with a bunch of other countries. You know, the more teams you have, the more competitive it is, the better it is for the sport as a whole. Yeah, Sean, they won the AMJ Shorty Jenkins curling classic to get there and i think you're right if both of these teams can compete with each other it just makes swedish curling even stronger and even scarier for us canadians yeah no question no question although i mean swiss curling is the one that we should probably be worried about because they win all the women's world championships that's all they do that's show up and win world championships uh so let's move on then to our picks here I have made these picks, Scott, also, I should point out, independent of the groups. So I don't know who's in what group at this point, but these are the picks that I've made. Uh, As always, I have Jennifer Jones making the playoffs. I have selected Robin Silvernagel to get a little hometown love. Sylvana Tiranzoni, give me them to recover off of a, a tough week at the players. And then my winner... My upset, underdog, big-time, out-of-nowhere winner, Minji Kim. Minji Kim. Oh, Sean, you've stolen my picks again. (laughs) Uh, I really like Minji Kim. I I think their team is poised for some kind of a breakthrough. So in oh, order, and they're in a good group too. I've just now look at the group there with Chelsea Carey, Rachel Holman, Jamie Sinclair, and Isabella Rana. That is a good group for them. It is. It is, Sean. Um. However, I'm going to go against the grain and pick Rachel Homan. I think uh, she wants to end the season on a good note. Uh, doesn't want a, her child to be a loser coming into the world. So uh, <laughs> time for uh, time I'm, for I'm sure the child ways. will be, I, in 30 years, the child will be on a psychiatrist's couch talking about how uh, their mother... Uh, suffered a terrible defeat in the last curling event before the child was born. That'll really leave a mark. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I've, I've got to have some sort of justification for my, my picks here. So I'm also going to take Team Hasselberg. I think Eve Muirhead slides in there. Not bad. I think the translation issues will get worked out. They'll okay. figure out barrier weight. And uh, have a good week, at least making the playoffs. And as I'm looking at the rest of the teams, Sean, I've got to come up with a winner that's somewhat off the board. That's sort of a little bit out of nowhere. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick Carrie Anderson again. Yeah, I think Repeat. that's a yeah, I think that's a good pick. Again, looking at that pool, uh, she's got the two Russian teams there, uh, Casey Scheidegger and Tyrion Zone. I think that's a good pool that you kind of expect at least two wins there. Uh, out of those four games. I mean, it worked for me last week. So, uh, yeah. She came from the seventh position. I think this week's a little bit stronger. Yeah, so I I, I just want to clarify one thing, too. We talked about we couldn't figure out the tie breaks last time, going from 12 down to uh, eight teams. This week, of course, going from 15 to eight teams. Uh, and see, people are so upset that they're calling the fire department. Uh, Holy cow. <laughs> they're so upset about the situation. But uh, on the Grand Slam website, it says that you're only guaranteed tiebreakers at two and two. So if you're one and three in a tiebreaker situation, you may get into a tiebreaker. Ah. But there's only enough time for two tiebreaker draws. Right. So that means that if you're one and three and 
theoretically in a position for a tiebreaker, but it would require more than two draws. Then they'll go to the draw to the button or whatever else they do. So even though you're tied, you're not guaranteed a tiebreaker. Okay. So just uh, to clarify that from last week and moving forward now into the Champions Cup. Terrific, Sean. So I think you might be able to wrap up the Game of Stones Cup this week <laughs> should uh, you come away victorious uh, because we only have one more event left That's and right. there's not that many teams to right. pick from. That's true. It, it, more to, we'll, to, we'll, we'll talk about it. The, the grand final of the World Cup is going to have a little different format. There's going to be more teams there, I believe. So we'll, we'll get into that when we uh, preview the World Cup. But yeah, if I have a good week here, even if I sustain my lead, I think I might uh, be able to wrap it up and uh, be in a Rachel Homan Kevin Cooey situation where I, I don't need to care about the last event. Oh boy. Well, hopefully it doesn't come to that. And I've always got mixed doubles. So that's true. I've always got mixed doubles. That's true. Speaking of mixed doubles real quick. Uh, we've been watching a little bit. Yeah. It's a bloodbath. Yeah. What do you think, Sean? A lot of lopsided games. I saw a 20 to nothing game. Yeah. I saw 18, nothing, uh, 12 to one. Yeah. So this is why the World Curling Federation wants to restrict the number of teams that are there. They don't like these scores. They don't think it's good for the sport. I could not disagree with them more. I think having Nigeria there is so cool. Uh, I believe there's a Saudi Arabian team. I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also playing for the first time. So you have these non-traditional curling countries who are having who have players and. One of the the pushbacks against some of the teams, I think this has been a pushback against the Brazilian team, is uh, on the Brazilian team, three of their players live in Canada. The other one is a Canadian who lives in Brazil. Right. So is this actually expanding the sport in that country, or are these guys basically just throwing in money and getting on this world stage and doing something that almost like this pay-to-play the best teams in the world sort of thing? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I don't think that diminishes the sport. You no. know, it, it can't. I, I, I don't see a situation where this hurts, where this turns people off. Like if, if there's a story in a Nigerian newspaper or a Nigerian website that says, hey, the team is playing and they got crushed. If that turns people in Nigeria off, well, they weren't paying attention anyway. Right. So you're not really losing anything. I, you're going from a zero market share in a lot of these countries and if you still have a zero, then so what? Well, the uh, the argument I could say would be, oh, they're only playing five ends or, or six ends now at the World Championships. Put everybody who's at that lower level into a B event. I I think ideally you could have them at the same time and then, you know, have it be like, like English soccer where the, the top teams move up and the bottom teams move down and shuffle it between the two flights just so that the competitive balance isn't so out of whack. Now, I see that for the four-person games, where once you get up four points, really the game, frankly, is, is pretty much over. And it's a, it can be a slog to get through four-person games. But mixed doubles, it's so fast. There's so many points going on. Like You can have big scores going back and forth that even when it's 12 to 1, the end can still be kind of interesting. And, you can, and, and you're zipping through the games. Right? You, they schedule so many games... And it's so easy to put it in. I mean, it's there with the seniors, obviously. But I don't think it's the same slog when there's a blowout in mixed doubles as it is in the four-person games. So to me, if this was four-person, yeah, have the two things like they do with the Europeans. It makes so much sense. And it's good for the game. At the mixed doubles level, 
because you can play so fast, because you can have so many draws, and the whole point of mixed doubles is to expand the reach, I'm okay with having the blowouts. Of course, I'm not there. I'm not on either side of it, but I'm okay with it. All right. Uh, you and I have both played in blowouts, and it's just not fun. But mixed so, doubles, again, mixed doubles blowouts are different. They're less fun because you don't have as many people to joke with about it. So that's what that's my opinion. No, but there's more angles. You can try crazier stuff because you already have stuff in play. You can't remove rocks. So you just try crazy shots. In the four-person game, they're just peeling stuff and it's wide open. At least in the mixed doubles, you're trying different shots. And it only takes an hour and a half. Well, you're not out there for two and a half hours. Yeah, but it's a lot more physically demanding than than the four-person game. So anyway, we disagree on yes, that. Yes, we do disagree. Uh, but our fight will have to continue offline as we go play sports trivia and get bloodbath at that. Yeah, we get crushed at that. It's still fun. It's yeah. a blowout every week, and it's still fun. So our sports trivia is the mixed doubles of Monday night events for us uh, during the uh, summertime. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the Humpty's Champions Cup from out there in Saskatoon. If you're out there in Saskatoon and you're checking out, you certainly have a good time as the weather starts to turn across the country. Hopefully you can get outside a little bit and enjoy the weather if it's there. So uh, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you get your shows. You can get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. You can email the show Game of Stones Podcast at Gmail. Dot com. We will be back with you next week to summarize the end of the Grand Slam season and to look forward to the World Cup Grand Finale from over there in Beijing. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...